you weren't here last week, I want to let you know that we began a new series last week called Road Signs to Finding God's Will. And it's our prayer that, that this uh, teaching series will be just a real practical series that you can take and apply to, to your life and help you in some very simple, very basic ways. Somebody just yell out and tell me what road sign we talked about last week. Yield. The yield sign. And uh, I mentioned to you that <clears throat> if we're going to find God's will, the first sign that we have to come to is the yield sign. It's a point in our life that we reach where we're willing to just surrender our will to God's will and say, God, this is not my life, this is your life. Take it and use it however you want to use it. I yield my plans, I yield my future, I yield myself to you. And until you and I do that, the rest of these messages won't mean a thing. It'll just be going through the motions, and we don't want to do that. So I would encourage you that if you're struggling with some of the things that we talked about last week, and if you missed that, I would urge you to get a CD, or, or you can listen to it on the Internet, and hear that first message, because it's very important to everything we're going to talk about in the weeks ahead. Yielding ourselves to God is a critical stage to beginning this process of finding God's will. Ephesians 5.17 says, Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And so I would say that it's pretty important for all of us to have a good understanding of what God's will is, not only in the broad sense of His moral will, but also in the more personalized sense of His individual will for us. Now today... <clears throat> We're going to look briefly at, at three different road signs that I hope will make a connection with you and things that you can uh, remember to, uh, to help you begin to discern God's will for your life. Let me say this very quickly up front. Today's message, probably most of you already know everything I'm going to say today. I hope that if when you hear me say all these things and you're going, yeah, I know that already, I know that already, that what you'll do is you'll spend this time in prayer for somebody here who may not know this. You know, there are some churches where if the pastor doesn't run around the room four or five times during the sermon and work everybody up into a big lather and people aren't swinging off the lights, then they feel like they haven't had a good service. Now, it's okay to have times like that when God breaks in and if, you know, if, if that happens... That's okay. Sometimes us folks are a little too starchy, you know. But what I, what I want to mention to you today is this is not going to be that kind of a message. The message today is so simple that most of you, again, are going to go, Man, I've, I've heard all that before. But I want to tell you, we, we spend a lot of time in prayer asking God to give us the right message on the right day for the right people. And I will tell you this, while today's message might be old hat to most of us, I believe there's somebody here today who needs to hear this. So, just a warning. You've probably heard most of this before. But just pray. Pray for someone here who, who might really need a breakthrough from God on this very simple, basic stuff. Now, the first sign that we're going to talk about today is the telephone sign. And this reminds us to pray, to call home, 
and ask our Heavenly Father for help as we're trying to find God's will. Now, I know most of our younger kids are gone and they're in the classroom back there, but uh, there might be some, some kids still in here today who've never seen this sign because this sign is disappearing from our landscape. Have you noticed that? There are no public phones anymore. Cell phones have pretty much replaced all that. But kids, um, those of you who may never have seen this sign, I'm going to tell you something you won't believe. There was a time when you were driving down the road in your car and you wanted to make a phone call where you actually had to stop your car and you had to get out of your car. I know, I know, it's bizarre. And, and you had to find this little phone booth and you had to go and get inside this little phone booth and then you had to get money out of your pocket and put it in this big phone that was about that big on the wall and that's how you made phone calls back in the dark ages, kids, ten years ago. It used to be a dime, yeah. I don't remember those days, but I'll trust you on that one. I just remember it being a quarter, but, you know. Uh, you know, you used to see these signs all over the place, the telephone sign. And it, and it was a place that you knew you could go to to make a call to communicate with someone. Jeremiah 33.3 is a verse that we've all probably heard before and it's on the screen in front of you. Someone has said that this is God's phone number, 333, because it reminds us to call home, to call our Heavenly Father. And it says, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. What's the invitation in this verse? for us to call upon God. What is the promise in this verse? That He will do what? He will answer us. Someone once said, it's a good thing we never get a busy signal when we call heaven, like we do with every other business on the planet now, or at least you get that automated thing, you know, press one for this, press two for that. Imagine if that happened when we prayed. Hi, you've reached heaven. We're not able to take your call right now. Press 1 for you know this and that. I mean, that would be horrible. Well, the Bible says that every time we call upon God, He will hear us and He will answer us. Now, in the context of the messages on finding God's will, this issue of prayer is one that is so often overlooked. James 1.5 says, If any of you lack wisdom... Let him ask of God who gives to all men generously without finding fault. And it will be given to him. If we want to know God's will, we have to ask. We have to ask. We have to pray. And we have to ask God to show us His will. Did you know that you cannot discern God's will through human intellect? You can have the brightest minds in the world, the highest IQs in the world who are able to solve the world's biggest mathematical uh, or, or physics problems. Those people would not be able to use their human brilliance alone to find God's will. It can't be done. The first step in this communication process, and these three signs today are really the communication signs that we're going to look at, is to pray. 
and say to God, Father, I don't know where to go in life. I don't know what you want me to do. Will you show me? We have to ask Him for it. And often we, we simply just try to figure out the next step on our own, don't we? And we fail to pick up the phone and call our Heavenly Father for help. The second part of James 4.2 says you do not have because you do not ask God. Prayer is the ignition key, really. It's the ignition key that fires up the process of finding God's will. But prayer is, is too often a last resort. Have you ever caught yourself saying this or heard someone say this? Well, we've tried everything else. I guess all we can do now is pray. You ever heard that? Or have you ever caught yourself saying that? Well, we've exhausted every other option. I guess the only thing left to do is to pray. You see, that's completely backwards of what God wants us to be doing. He wants us to call upon Him so that He can answer us and show us His will. As prayer is probably the most unused resource in the Christian's toolbox. Perhaps you're a fairly new Christian and you would say, but I don't really know how to pray. I mean, you know, I hear, I hear these other Christians praying these prayers and it seems like they just really know how to pray and I don't know how to pray. Well, let me ask you this. Without being sarcastic, do you know how to talk? Yes? Well, then you're all set. That's all you need. We talked about this maybe a month ago in our Wednesday night prayer meeting about how prayer does not and does, should not be and doesn't need to be this rehearsed, formal-sounding speech given to God, you know, our gracious Father. You don't have to do that. Imagine if every time my kids wanted to come and talk to me, if I was in my office working and they came in and they felt like they had to speak that way to me. Oh, Father, wouldst thou that I go play with my friend? I'd be going, man, you're crazy. Go take a nap. What's wrong with you, you know? They don't have to speak to me that way because I'm their father. They can run in and jump in my lap and just hang out with me and just talk about anything. Listen, God is not some distant being in the sky who you have to get permission to enter into His presence and talk to Him. He's your Abba Father, your Daddy. And He longs for you to call upon Him. He longs for you to talk to Him. You don't have to know how to pray. You can just talk to Him. I shared this story also with the Wednesday night class. I, I love this. I, I just love this. I just lost who this was. I think it was uh, Bruce uh, Wilkinson who told this story that he was in a prayer meeting one time <clears throat> at his church and there was a young man there who he had just led to Christ the week before. And everybody was sitting around praying and then this young man stood up to his feet and he simply said this, Hi, God. I don't know if you remember me or not, but this is Mel. I met you last Tuesday night, and I just wanted to say thanks for changing my life. And he sat down. And he said, there probably was not a dry eye in that room, because 
Everybody realize, you know, sometimes we go through these motions to try to talk to God. And here's this new believer who just didn't have a clue what to say. And he just simply stood up and said, Hey God, it's Mel. Remember me? Thank you so much for changing my life. I really appreciate it. That's a beautiful prayer. You don't need to have you, you know you don't have to go to school, you don't have to do Bible studies on prayer. That can all be helpful. But I think sometimes we tend to overcomplicate this matter of praying to God. Certain aspects of our Christian uh, life, of our Christian faith, are fundamental to our walk with God and we're never going to outgrow them no matter how mature we become in Christ. Prayer is one of those things. Prayer is not something that we can reach a point in our Christian walk and then say, well, okay, I've sort of, you know, come a long way with God now and I don't have to spend as much time in prayer with Him. Prayer is one of those fundamental things that will always be a necessity in our Christian life. The great football coach Vince Lombardi, I am told, began the first practice of every season with the same speech. In the locker room, he would say, gentlemen, this is a football. And what he was reminding these big, tough veterans of is it's not the flashy stuff that matters. It's the fundamentals. And we're going to begin with the fundamentals every season. And that's what we're going to focus on in order to win games. The same is true in our spiritual life. As you read through the Gospels, you see how often Christ prayed. Have you ever noticed that? Sometime I would encourage you to sit down and read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, just all in a row. It might take you a couple of days, but just read all the way through that to get a whole picture of the life of Christ. I would even encourage you to go further than that and buy what's called a harmony of the Gospels. It takes all four Gospels and it weaves them together, fills in the gaps, and gives you the whole picture. It's a great way to see the life of Christ. One of the things that you will notice about Christ is the tremendous amount of time that he spent in prayer. He was constantly breaking away from the crowds, going up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Well, he's the Son of God. Why would he need to communicate with his Heavenly Father? Well, I'll tell you this. If he needed to, you and I need to. Do you pray? I mean more than just, dear God, thank you for this meal. Bless Aunt Sue and Uncle Bill and Amen. I mean, do you have you have you learned to talk to your Heavenly Father? The older I get, the more I find myself just at all times throughout the day, whether I'm in my car or standing in line somewhere, I'm just I'm just thinking to God. I'm just talking, God help me, I need direction on this. I don't know what to do on that. I need your help. And it's just almost this constant communication. I feel lost without it. And prayer is so much more than making requests of God. That is just a tiny fraction of what prayer is all about. Prayer is also listening to God. And He will communicate with you. He will. The telephone sign. A very strong reminder to us, Christians, that if we're going to find God's will, we had better be in prayer asking Him for direction. 
Now the second sign that we're going to look at today is the turn on your headlights sign. And this is a reminder to us to go to Scripture to find our help, to find light for our journey. Now you don't see these signs that often, but there are some up on I-40 as you head past Asheville towards Knoxville just before you go through those tunnels there. There are the signs that remind you to turn on your headlights because you're about to be plunged into darkness. And your headlights are going to help you see where you're going. Psalm 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Many years ago, before I was even married, um, I guess I was talked into going on a camping trip with a friend of mine. Not a big camper. <laughs> Grew up on the mission field, roughed it there. You know, anything less than 24-hour room service to me is roughing it now. <laughs> That's not really true, but it's kind of close. So, I, you know, he was a good friend and he wanted me to go camping, so I went camping. And we got in his truck after work on a Friday afternoon and we drove forever. I don't know where we were. And it was dark by the time we got there. And I'm thinking we were going to pull up, you know, <coughs> off the exit into this parking lot and there would be a little campground there. Not so. I was with nature boy Ric Flair, I guess, you know, and he wanted to just get out there and, and be one with nature. So it was dark and we were driving down this dirt road and he finally couldn't go any further and he parked the truck. And we got out and we put the backpacks on and grabbed the gear. And then we started walking into the woods. And we walked and walked and walked. And I'm thinking, well, does it really matter if we have the tent right by the truck or two miles into the woods? What's the point of doing that? And we're walking and it's totally dark. And all we had was this lantern to guide our way. And I wasn't real comfortable out there. Um, this is the kind of guy that picks up snakes and plays with them and does all that stuff. Eats roots, you know. He's a weird guy, but he's my friend. <laughs> and so we're walking out. And I mean, we're so far out that there are no lights anywhere. And it was an overcast night. There wasn't much moonlight coming through. And all we had to guide our way was this, this lantern. And I remember thinking out there, well, one of the things I was thinking was, I hope this guy doesn't fall off a cliff and die because... I'll never find my way home. had no idea where we were. But the other thing that I was thinking was, I am so glad that we have some light. Because it was dark. It was real dark. And as some clever person has pointed out, I don't know who first thought of this, but they said, you know, a lantern only gives you a small circle of light. It's, it's not a spotlight. It doesn't shine 200 yards down the pathway ahead of you. It just lights basically where you are and a few steps ahead. And that's exactly the way it is with finding God's will and with His Word, is that His Word lights our path, but it doesn't light it a year down the road or two years down the road. It just gives me a little bit of light to help me see where I am right now and one or two steps ahead of me and as I move forward holding the light of God's word as this person again has pointed out the light moves with me and it illumines the next step and the next step little by little God does not reveal his will to us in one big lump but piece at a time 
I want to make sure that you heard that. Because for me, as a young man, thinking about God's will and trying to find His will and God, what do you want me to do with my life? I was kind of thinking that I was going to pray a prayer and one day God was going to say, okay, Phil, come here. Let's, let's spend an hour together. I'm going to show you my will for the rest of your life so you don't ever have to worry about it again. Man, was that a heavy load to carry. And the day that I finally learned that God doesn't reveal His will to us all at once, but little by little, was one of the, one of the most freeing things I have ever learned. Because now I don't have to sweat what God wants me to do ten years from now. I just have to walk with God today. God, what do you want me to do today? And we do it. Little by little. One author put it this way. I think this is so right on target. He said, The will of God is not like a magic package let down from heaven on a string. The will of God is far more like a scroll that unrolls every day. The will of God is something to be discerned and lived out every day, not something to be grasped all at once. You know, God has given us a promise that His Word will illumine our path, but so often, folks, if we're honest, so often, wouldn't we say that we just forget to turn our headlights on? And we, we try to go through life, through this dark world, making sense of things on our own, when all the while there's light to give us directions. Finding God's will is both complex and simple at the same time. The simple aspect of it is that one of the keys to finding God's will is simply to be obeying what you know God's word has told you to do. Just live according to his word. And when we do that, it will enlighten our eyes. Psalm 19.8 says, The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Psalm 119.130 says the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. The Bible is really and truly our instruction book for life. It's our instruction book for life. You know, last week we showed you some photos of some very bizarre road signs. And um, as I was thinking about this, the Bible being our instructions for life, I thought about that there are a lot of products out now that have real strange instructions on them that are not that easy to follow. And you know that these have been prompted by lawsuits, by some knucklehead who did something dumb with the product and sued the company, and now the company has had to spend all this money putting these special warnings uh, on all these products. You know, like the McDonald's cups when that woman burned herself and sued for millions and then McDonald's now has to, you know, put all over the cups, caution, hot contents. Well, thanks a lot, you know. I never would have figured that out on my own. But here are some instructions that I found on products. On a hair dryer, warning, do not use while sleeping. Because I guess somebody did. On a bag of Fritos corn chips, you could be a winner, no purchase necessary, details inside. That's the shoplifter special, I guess. 
on a box of tiramisu dessert. Listen, printed on the bottom. On the bottom, it says, do not turn upside down. <laughs> Seriously, too late. <laughs> on, the, on the box for an iron, do not iron clothes on body. <laughs> on a box of Christmas lights, for indoor or outdoor use only. As opposed to... <laughs> On a food processor, not to be used for any other use. Now, that one really got my wheels turning. I mean, that started my imagination going right there. I wonder what you could use that thing for. Somebody must have figured out another use for a food processor. On a bag of peanuts, warning, contains nuts. Now, I know some people are allergic to nuts. I understand that's a big deal, but how dumb do you have to be to be allergic to nuts and eat a bag of nuts and then sue the company because they didn't warn you? Uh, on a child's Superman costume, wearing of this garment does not enable you to fly. <laughs> and my favorite of all, on a box for a fan belt, warning. <laughs> this is just really bad. Do not attempt to install while engine is running. <laughs> now, I don't know a lot about cars, but I'm not that dumb. I'd like to meet the guy who inspired that lawsuit, you know. You know, hi, nice to meet you. <laughs> Couple of fingers missing. Unbelievable. You know, you can't always uh, make sense of instructions that we see in this world, but God's Word is our instruction book for life. And it's totally reliable. The question is, I guess, for people who really want to find God's will, is how do we make sense of God's Word? You know, some people say, um, the Bible is so long. The Bible is so boring. Man, if anybody who says the Bible is boring hasn't read the whole Bible, that's all I can say. Because it is, it is anything but boring. But I think a, a deeper problem that people genuinely have is I just don't know where to start I don't know how to make sense of it I don't know what to do 2 Timothy 2.15 reminds us that we must rightly divide or correctly handle the word of truth it's very important and you know I don't have time to get into a lot of deep stuff today on, on the scriptures on how to study the Bible but I think there are maybe four basic things I can tell you that will help you in how to understand the Bible and, and how to divide it correctly. I guess four basic ways that the Bible can guide us. Number one is through proclamations. And then these would be the, the, the positive things, the thou shalts of the Bible. Okay, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God and Him only shalt thou serve. Thou shalts. The things that the Bible tells us to do. And then secondly, there would be prohibitions. These are the things that the Bible tells us not to do. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal, and so on. The third way is through promises. Things that we know we can count on. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I will never leave you or forsake you. The promises in the Bible that we can um, truly hang our hat on and know for sure that they are true. And then fourthly, through principles. Just wisdom and guidelines for living life. Those are four things that, that help me sort of dissect the Bible and, and understand it a little bit better. I would encourage you to do something very practical. If you're serious about finding God's will for situations in your life 
and asking God to guide you and you just don't know really how to handle the Bible, go to any Christian bookstore and buy a Knave's topical Bible or any kind of topical Bible. That way you can say, well, what am I struggling with? I'm struggling with marriage. And you can look under the heading of marriage and you can find verse after verse after verse that will guide you and point you in the right direction. I will tell you this as we finish on this second road sign about the Word of God. That the Word of God and the will of God are woven together. They're woven together. If you want to find God's will, you better be in God's Word. Because you won't find His will for life without God's Word. It's His instruction book for life. Well, we could spend a lot more time on that, but let me move on very quickly to the last sign that we're going to talk about today, the information sign. Again, this is not one that I see much anymore, but uh, a lot of places that you used to go, rest areas and, and different places, you would see this information sign. And it was basically telling you, hey, here's a place where you can come to when you need help, when you need questions answered about South Carolina or, or wherever you happen to be. And there are people here who have answers for your questions. Proverbs 19.20 says this. It says, listen to advice and accept instruction and in the end, you will be wise. This sign reminds us that we don't always know all the answers. And sometimes we need to ask for directions. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. And I don't want there to be any elbowing by the women. <laughs> but women, you can just tell me afterwards. Have you ever been on a trip with your husband and he has gotten you hopelessly lost? He doesn't have a clue where he is and he will not admit that he's lost. And he just keeps driving and keeps denying that he's lost. And he won't stop and ask for directions. Now, I've got to tell you, I have never understood that mentality at all. Never. For me, it's the exact opposite. If I'm lost, the first thing I do is stop and ask for directions because I hate wasting time. And I don't want to get more lost. I want to get unlost, if there's such a word. I mean, I just want to get back on the right road. I want to know where I'm supposed to go. And if I'm lost, I will stop immediately and say, I'm lost. Where do I go? To me, it's a no-brainer. I don't understand... You know, I hear women talk about this all the time. I don't understand guys who refuse to stop and ask for directions. It's a strange thing. You're wasting time. Let somebody help you, for goodness sakes. There's nothing wrong with it. You're not less of a man if you stop and ask for directions. And so often in life, in our Christian life, we go through life sort of too proud to admit that we need help. The Bible says in Proverbs 12:15, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. We need to recognize that at times we can deceive ourselves and we need other people, other godly people, to help give us wise counsel. Remember the story in 2 Samuel 24 where David 
did a sinful thing by taking a census of the people and he knew that he was not supposed to do that. Because what that represented to God was that David was relying more on numbers than he was on God. And as he was getting ready to do this, Joab came to him and cautioned him against it and said, David, don't do this. David chose to ignore the godly counsel that had been sent to him. And as a result, 70,000 men died. See, even though David was a mature believer and he was a man after God's own heart, he was still capable of making mistakes in judgment. I want to tell you something that I hope will help you. You will never make it in the Christian life on your own. I know that sounds real negative, but I hope you can take that in a positive way. You will never make it in the Christian life alone. You just won't. The Christian life was not designed to be lived alone. It was designed to be lived in community. And there are a number of men in my life who for many years have helped keep a watch over my life. And I've gone to these guys and said, listen, I want you to help crack me over the head when I get out of line or when I'm getting ready to take a wrong turn and help guide me along the way and provide some counsel in my life. So many things we could talk about on this issue of counsel. I want to try to wind it down very quickly. We need to realize that not any one person has all the answers in life. And so often you need to get more than one person to help give godly counsel in your life. Proverbs 15.22 says, Without consultation, plans are frustrated, but with many counselors they succeed. Proverbs 11.14 says, where there, where there is no counsel, the people fall, but in a multitude of counselors there is safety. But the majority is not always right. You remember last week we mentioned the ten spies that went to check out the land and they came back and eight of them said, we can't do this. This is too scary. This is too big for us. Let's not do it, even though God had told them to go. There were only two, Joshua and Caleb, who stood against the crowd and said, yes, we can do this. Let's do it. The key to obtaining wise counsel from people, listen, is not so much to listen to what the counselor is saying to you, but to what God might be saying to you through the counselor. Because it's God's voice that you're listening for. And when I use the word counselor, I'm not talking about a professional paid counselor, although that certainly is in this category. I'm mostly just talking about people in our fellowship or others that you know who you trust to guide you and, and help provide Christian input into your life. But the key is to listen for God's voice, not the voice of the counselor. Because I want to tell you something. You can receive bad counsel from Christians. Did you know that? It's very possible. And you need to be listening for God's voice, not that person's voice. I remember years ago, again, before I was married, the, the church that I was a part of, I was sitting there in the pew about ten minutes before the service. For those of you younger kids, your parents will explain to you what a pew is. I was sitting there and the pastor of the church came up and sat down beside me and this is what he said. We had never had a prior conversation about this. This is the first thing that he said to me when he sat down. Hey brother, God has told me that you're supposed to be the next youth pastor of this church. 
And I said, really? He said, yes, sir. God told me that. Now, I wasn't being disrespectful. I was very courteous to him. But, but I turned to him and I said, well, when God tells me that, you'll be the first to know. And uh, I knew that God didn't want me to do that. It was very clear to me. Sometimes you can receive bad counsel. When I was searching for direction on what God wanted me to do and He was calling me more into a ministry type of work, I went to made an appointment with an evangelist who spoke all over the world, had a great ministry, and a man that I respected. And I went and sat with him and I explained what, what I felt God was doing and asked him for direction. And he said, well, I can get you a list of all of the uh, Southern Baptist churches up and down the East Coast and I can get that list sorted by the churches that give the most money. And what you want to do is you want to make appointments with those churches to go and preach at those churches because they'll be able to support you more financially and you can get your ministry off the ground quicker. I tell you, it broke my heart. And I courteously thanked him for his time and I left. It was bad counsel, you see. Bad counsel. When our family was on the mission field in Australia, when I was eight years old, God called our family to move to South Africa. There was person after person who came to my dad, good people, and said, Randy, you're making a terrible mistake. Don't do this. Dad said there was one man that drove 500 miles so that he could come and sit face to face with dad and say, you're making an awful mistake. Don't do this. And of course, we went to South Africa and God provided every step of the way. Hundreds of people, thousands of people came to know Christ in all the years that we were there. Some common mistakes in obtaining counsel, simply selecting the wrong counselors. 2 Timothy 4 says that in the last days, people will gather around them teachers who will say just what their ears want to hear. You ever been guilty of this? There's something you really want to do and you just kind of have this nagging feeling that God doesn't want you to do it. And so to kind of confirm what you want to do, you'll go and talk to people who you know feel the same way you do and you'll avoid the others. And you'll go, hey man, what do you think about this? Yeah, I think it's a great idea. See, here we go. And you know that's not right. It's very easy to choose the wrong people to help give you advice. The second thing would be not listening to the wise counsel that you do get. I've experienced one or two of those in my life too where God has spoken to me through somebody and I have ignored it and there's been a price to pay for it. The third thing would be simply leaning more on human counsel than on what God has to say. We talked about that just a second ago. You know, the bottom line on this counsel thing is you say, how can I hear God through people or through Scripture or through prayer? John 10:27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. They hear my voice. When God speaks to you, folks, I want to tell you, you will know it. Either through prayer, through Scripture, or through wise counsel. If you're here today and you say, man, I'm just lost in life right now. I don't know where to go. I don't know what turn to make next. I just feel like I'm completely lost. Well, first of all, let me ask you, are you saved? 
Because until you come to that place in your life where you know for sure, not some I think so, I seem to have this fuzzy memory of something when I was a kid, but no, no, no. You need to know for sure that you're saved. That's the starting point right there. If you've not settled that issue with God, I would encourage you today to reach out to God and say, God, I think I've done this before. I don't know, but I really want to make sure. Will you come into my life and forgive my sins and give me a new purpose and a new direction in life? And he will. That's the first point. And then the other three things I would encourage all of you to do are the things that we've talked about today in these three road signs. Pray, search the scriptures for help, and when you need to, get wise counsel along the way. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for not leaving us alone to figure all of this out. Thank you that you've provided a way for us to talk to you anytime we need to, to get help, to get direction. Thank you for preserving your word all these years to help illumine our path along the way. And Lord, thank you for other believers who have walked the road ahead of us who can help provide insight and direction in areas where we just may seem completely clueless. Lord, I pray for these people here today. I know this has been a very basic 101 message, but I pray, Lord, that these fundamental truths would help remind us again of how important it is to go back to the basics. Lord, we can run to the bookstore. We can buy all kinds of books that will you know, help maybe give us some direction on this or that, and we can listen to people. We can do all kinds of things, but God, these basics are, are things that cannot be overlooked. Prayer, studying the Bible, and seeking wise counsel. God, I pray if there's anybody here today who's just lost, uh, Lord, I pray that, first of all, they'd make sure that they know you as their personal Savior. And then I pray they'd follow these three simple steps to help begin to provide some direction for their life. Lord, you've told us you have great plans for all of us. And I pray that you would confirm that in our hearts today to know that our lives are not just meaningless ramblings day after day, but you do have a purpose for each of us. Help us to seek you in order to find that purpose. In Jesus' name, amen.